0: Uh, today's episode is special. Ooh, I know right? I'm sitting here with my good friend Kimberly Anderson. For those of you who do who don't know her, where where the fuck have you been? Where
1: the fuck, where the fuck have, you, have been? you been? Probably escaping Mormonism yes. would be my guess. <laughs>
0: yeah, good. Good.
1: Right. Congratulations. if that's you
0: absolutely. The reason we are recording together today, a Kimberly's awesome B. I just got back from my mom's Mormon funeral. Mm. And I thought it would be a good idea to unpack this with an actual professional therapist because there's some shit. And also with an ex Mormon. Mm. Because check and check. Check and check. So, yeah, that's the intro. Oh, let's, I guess we do a commercial. No, I don't know. Mary's not here to tell me where, you know, when, what, how. So we're just going to fucking wing it. Winging it. So it might be like a three-hour-long podcast. No, it can't be. I know, I'm fucking with you. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, commercial. Be right back. Kimberly, before we get started, tell tell the listeners why you are the best to be in this
1: uh, episode. Well... Uh, a, thank you for even considering that that would be the case. I don't like superlatives. Uh, I will say, though, that I'm probably qualified to talk to you mainly because I'm your friend. That's true. Yeah. And we have a common history both in escaping and post-Mormonism. hmm Right? Right. Uh, I also am a trained therapist. So, let's make one thing very clear. This is not therapy. No, no. This is not a therapy session. I am paying Kimberly nothing. Mm So What it is, though, is you talking to a therapeutically informed friend. Mm -hmm. So you are not my client ever. You've never been my client. Nor will you ever be be my client because that would be unethical. You know too much. I know way too much. (laughs) Way, way too much. However, many audience members of LDL are my either current client or have been a past client. Oh. So if that is you, then I will say hello and welcome. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Where to begin?
0: I think... Um, Let's start at the very
1: beginning. Is there going to be a lot of singing in this episode? A very good place, place to, is to start. This,
0: that's from a musical, isn't it? <laughs> Yes. Is this the one, um, The Hills Are Alive? Okay.
1: The Hills Are Alive. Okay. Yeah, great. Start at the beginning. Where do you want, I mean...
0: Okay. So I know I posted on uh, some social media uh, pages about the initial happenings. And I'll just go over that again really quickly because it kind of leads into it. So I got the phone call that uh, my mom probably had a few weeks left from the hospice nurse. And there was a lot going on in my life at the time, but I felt like I should probably get out there. So I bought a one-way ticket, and I went to Utah on a Monday morning. I got there Monday afternoon. I had a recording with me of all my kids um, reading books to my mom, like the the golden books, the little red hen, pokey pokey little little puppy. puppy. That was my favorite with her. Uh, She used to read that to me. Anyway, all of my kids just reading books to her for like two hours of book reading. I'd recorded it over multiple days. But um, yeah, so I had that. My mom was already, I don't want to say comatose, but she wasn't responsive at all. She hadn't been drinking for two days by then, uh, which is definitely a sign that there's not a lot left. Like your body will use up the rest of your moisture. She was shutting down. She was shutting down, for sure. I mean, that's, that's what happens. So I spent the rest of the day, like hours, with my kids' voices playing next to my mom's ear. Because from what I've been told, the hearing is the last thing to go as you're dying, mm-hmm. and holding her hand. I, you know, I did some work on my laptop as well, and then taking like a sponge with a little bit of water, and you know, putting it on her tongue. Uh, Coating her mouth with this, I want to say lemon stuff that just helps it not feel so dried out. Because she was, you know, dying of thirst, I guess. And her body was shutting down. So I spent that time with her. It was quiet. It was nice. All of my brothers were there. They ended up coming. um, So, and my dad. So it was myself, Mike, Mark, my dad, and then my oldest dick-faced brother that we all hate, David. But we pretended to be okay with him, you know. There was no fighting or anything. Anyway, that happened, and then the very next morning, early, my mom passed. So I know people say sometimes people, uh, sometimes people who are dying, once they have what they want, like their family together, or you know, they go to someone's wedding or whatever it is that they kind of let go. And I, you know, I like to tell myself that's what happened. I like to tell myself that my mom finally got to make a choice for herself.
1: Mm. I like that.
0: Yeah, that's—in my heart, that's what happened. So after she passed, then we had to start making arrangements. Uh, If anyone knows my brother, Mark, I know who doesn't listen, but he was a fucking badass. He took care of everything. Uh, A little bit about Mike and Mark. They are Mormon. They're very Mormon. They're very rulesy and obedient, but also very nice. Sounds on point. Right, right, right. We were staying at my aunt's house, and we were kind of talking about what happens next. Because I've, I've never been part of a funeral before. Like an active participant? Correct. Okay. Correct.
1: So no one close to you has, has died then, really?
0: Um, my
1: grandma, but I was really
0: young. Right. Um,
1: you would have been a spectator at that exactly,
0: point. Exactly. Exactly. No one that I was a part of. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I, di- I don't know how that works. Talking to my aunt, though, she was telling me, okay, so we need to dress the body, Right which means you go to the mortuary where they have your mom's body and you, you dress her in clothing ready to be buried in.
1: Had the body been washed already? I'm sure the mortician had already done that. Oh, for sure. Because, I mean,
0: we couldn't get it back out there the, for the funeral for like three weeks. Right. So they had to like keep her on ice and pump her full of stuff. Sorry if I feel a little, if I say a little. you um, good. I mean, I mean, it's the truth.
1: And also trigger warning or content warning for Thank you. death, dying, and, you know, honest talk about, How to prepare a body for burial. Absolutely. Yes. So, Who did her hair?
0: um, The people did, which was the the mortuary people, and they did a great job. Oh, interesting.
1: Sometimes um, the person that's going to die finds a friend or their hairdresser and asks them to come in and do their hair for the last time. Mm. The the, the mortuary took care of the makeup and hair then.
0: They did. Mm. They did. How'd she look? Well, yeah, it was amazing. I'll get to that, but yeah, there was a very— No, you're good. You're good. I'm glad that you brought that up because it'll, like, get my mind going. So, talking to my aunt, she's saying, well, we need to go dress the body. And then she—one of my brothers asks, like, is Shelly allowed to be there? I hadn't even thought about that. Because you dress a Mormon body in the Mormon ugly ceremonial temple clothes.
1: If they've been through the temple endowment. Correct. If they're worthy.
0: Let's let's keep that word in mind. Oh, that's
1: right. So, if they've been to the temple and they died
0: worthy. And they paid all their tithing that would make, that makes you worthy. I know, I know, I know. You gotta, you gotta pay all the way up to the end to get in, which reminds me, my senile dad, he's getting so bad. He can't remember jack shit, but he still calls my brother who's in charge of the estate and says, are you sure I'm up, I'm up to date on my tithing? Mm. It's like, dad, you're all, you're damn near dead. You think you've paid enough already and by the way, you're paying tithing on um, like your retirement, which means you've already paid taxes on it or paid tithing on it. You pay tithing on it when you got paid. Double tithe.
1: Yes. Uh, I can't imagine that St. Peter's up at the pearly gates, um, you know, with uh, logging into your account and saying, you know, you're 10 mm-hmm. cents short. Sorry. Do you have 10 cents on you're you? You're a little 10 cents short. Anybody in line got t- a dime they can lend this poor person? Mm.
0: I mean, I guess when you're a spirit, you can't carry shit until you're resurrected. Doesn't go with you, as they no. say. No.
1: Correct. Can't take it with you. Mm-mm,
0: mm-mm.
1: So then no one would be able to. Maybe that person could inspire someone down below to pay some tithing for. Of course. A, a spiritual visit. Visitation. Yeah. Uh, that would be a tender mercy. <laughs> and it'd be fucked up too, Kimberly. <laughs> and not true. <laughs> oh, the the that's, main reason it would be fucked up would be is it's not true. That's awesome. Uh,
0: anyway, so when my when when my brother mentioned that and my aunt was like, oh I I don't I don't know, you know, and I was thinking I don't know either. I didn't care at the time, but I just I didn't wanna I didn't wanna address it. I, I whatever. Because nobody knew. So a few hours later we go to the mortuary and we're talking
1: did your brothers have access to the online version of the church handbook to look at the preparation for deceased bodies? That's the yeah, um sure everyone
0: does. I actually looked it up too. And what um, did you find out? Well, I looked it up after the fact because I literally didn't care at the time. I didn't want to fight about it in my but in my mind I was like, okay, whatever. This is a non this is a non issue. I, you know. So, nothing was said to me uh in that moment then we went to the mortuary to talk to the funeral director like we got to make all these plans and as we're sitting there i'm sitting next to mike and mark keep in mind i love mike and mark i love them especially mark we are so close he just i don't know he's my favorite brother and i wish he wasn't a mormon a rulesy mormon because it would just be better
1: does he drink coke (laughs)
0: uh yeah so he's not that but but he's like if the prophet says we do it that that's what it is all right
1: Can I rewind the conversation like five minutes? Yeah. Your mom passed. Yes. Was she alone? Yes. That's right. I should go back to her passing. Yeah. Next to you is the emotions pillow from my office. Pick that up. Her dying alone? Mm. When you got that news that she had passed, what feelings were you holding in your body? Um,
0: God. The first feeling, because my, my my brother Mike came and knocked on my bedroom door, we're all staying at my aunt's house, and it was five in the morning knocks on the door, and he's like, uh, just so you know, mom just passed away. I was shocked because they'd said two to three weeks. First I was shocked, then I was relieved, and then I was overwhelmed by now what? I was sad. But not that sad. The sadness came later. I wasn't that sad. I, I was grateful that I'd been there. And I was like, holy shit, what if I hadn't come out yesterday?
1: Because it was a—you you were in a position where you may or may not have gone.
0: Absolutely. Right. I had so much shit going on. I, I was juggling a lot, and I was debating for an entire day. I was debating, and then finally I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go. Whatever. So, yeah, there was that, oh, my God, I'm so glad I went— there was there was closeness I felt with my two brothers that were there because I knew we were going through the same thing. Like, now what? This is like mom died, you know?
1: Do you feel you'd been grieving your mom's passing before she passed? Yes. Uh, mm, grieving versus disconnecting,
0: right? Okay. She's been so kind of uh, out of it for so long that— The emotional disconnect, I let that happen. Did I cause it to happen? I don't know. It felt more comfortable because it was kind of like she's she's not really behaving like my mom anymore, for better or worse, whatever. Uh, There were moments of lucidity with her. But you know what's strange? I still, it's like I knew she was dying, but I didn't believe she was dying, which is why it came as a shock when she did die. Because I don't, I don't know if my brain had accepted that. Yeah, she's gonna die. It, I think in my brain she was just gonna be in the memory care unit forever, and I'd go see her every couple months, and which obviously is wasn't gonna happen. But that I think that's where my brain was okay. It it was okay thinking that was what was happening. Yeah, it's a strange relationship with my mom. We were never really close, but she's like the kindest, sweetest person in the world who loved everyone, and everyone loved her. So it's not like. We weren't close, and also she was a bitch. And it's like, "Eh, well, you know, bye-bye.
1: So there's a version of you that's glad that she's gone, relieved that she's gone. Yes. And there's a version of her that you possibly miss? Yes.
0: Version of her that I miss. And me wanting her gone, that sounds horrible, but she was miserable. She was bedridden. She had bed sores. She couldn't do anything for herself. She would scream out in pain a lot. Um, It was not good. She needed to die. She looked dead for a good couple of weeks because we have a camera in there to monitor my fucking asshole oldest brother, David, and make sure he's not saying inappropriate things, which he does. Like, Mom, they won't let me feed you. I'm so sorry. I wanted you to have a stomach tube so you could be with us for six more months and maintain these relationships, but, but they won't let me. Mark and Mike and Shelly won't let me. Like He's such a—oh, f- I could do four podcasts on that motherfucker. Seriously. So the morning that she died, I got the phone call. So Mike and Mark and I are like, okay, I guess we need to go see her. Mike uh, called back the lady that called and said, please don't take her body yet. Let us all get there and spend some time. So we went, my dick faced brother, David was already there, but he was up with my dad. He had already stopped and visited my mom, I think. Cause there was, I don't know. He said, he he said he did. He was upstairs with my dad. And, Mark and Mike and I just sat with my mom, held her hand, gave her a kiss. She looked good. When I'd seen her the day before, she just had her mouth open, you know, trying to breathe. But after she passed, you know, the the hospice nurse comes in and makes sure she's gone, kind of puts some makeup on the face, got her mouth closed. That sounds really like, that's pretty medical. But yeah, she looked asleep. So we went upstairs. David was up there. He was already in the room with my dad, and I was thinking, "Oh, I fucking hope he didn't tell him already." We do not want David telling anyone anything. Thankfully, he had he had not. So I took the lead on telling him because I think of all my brothers, I'm the one who's most. Um, I don't. I don't know. I just felt like I should. I don't know why. Uh, I just sat next to him and I told him and. Told him he had nothing to worry about. We're taking care of the funeral. Because what I know is my dad worries about everything. Every little thing. And so I was like, everything's taken care of. Would you like to go down and see her? And so we took him down to see her. And my dad is just so kind of far gone. He just sat there and held her hand with kind of a blank stare. And it was, it was sad, you know. He took her, her wedding ring off, and gave it to me which was powerful. Um, yeah, I, ha- I have that ring. There's a, there's a diamond and a wedding band, and I'm going to get a nice sturdy chain necklace to put the wedding band on to wear and keep the, the diamonds somewhere else. I don't know. I haven't processed that all the way, what I'm going to do. So anyway, he sat there there with her for a while. Again, that was sad. It was just sad to see my dad even though I do have, I mean, everyone who listens knows I have issues with my dad. There's been things, but still, no matter how I thought he did or didn't treat my mom, in this moment, my mom was gone and he was sad. And that made me sad. So then we went to the whole going back to my aunt's house and finding out that maybe I'm not allowed to do the thing. And now we're at the funeral home and we're planning a funeral. And my brother, Mark, who I love the most turns to me and he says, Shelly, listen, this is, this is I don't, this nothing to do with you. I'm sorry I have to bring this up. And they asked the funeral director. He's like, my sister is not temple-endowed. What are the rules as far as her being able to dress the body? And ah, I think the initial, rea- the initial reaction was I was hurt that he would ask that. But then I understood why he would ask that. But then I was mad that that was even a thing that needed to be asked. And I had to remind myself, this is not about Mark and Mike. This is about the cult and the brainwashing. Mark and Mike are good people.
1: Well, it's interesting to think about this. For decades, um, the temple clothing, the ceremonial clothing, the robes, the sash, the, the apron, the whole deal, the, the the slippers, you know, the hat, the bonnet, was all very tightly guarded. What it looked like, mm-hmm. uh, what it represented. And then the internet happened. Right. And then all those things were leaked um, and the world could see what they were. And then the church actually had a big giant press release. Mm-hmm. And showed the world what they were. So well, let's not forget that I have been through the temple. Well,
0: you know, notwithstanding, yeah.
1: the rest of the world knows what they look like. It's no right. secret that they're worn and it's no secret what they look like. Right. So for you to not be there, you're not going to the temple. Right. You're not engaging in the uh, complex handshaking. <laughs> you're not learning any of the uh, health and the navel bullshit. Right. You're just there to put clothing on a person. Uh, cosplaying a ceremonial Jewish uh, for sure temple, whatever a the fuck. Copied Jewish. Right. Yeah. So, the idea that you're seeing things that you're not supposed to see would be null and void. It was a moot right. point. Right. You'd already seen them. You already knew what they were. The church has released that information to the world. Mm-hmm. So, I'm very curious, actually, what was the hang up? With you being there, or how did it resolve? The hangup was it's in the handbook
0: that I shouldn't have, and the handbook rules all depending on your bishop. Of course, it's bishop roulette every time, again
1: and again and again,
0: again and again. When Mark brought that up, the funeral director said, "You know, I'm I'm not positive on that. You're going to need to check with the bishop." And I just I stopped everything. I said, "Listen, Mike and Mark, no offense. This is not about you at all, at all." But this is non-negotiable to me. I will be there. And, you know, Mark said, well, you you know, Mom was very devout Mormon, and we just want to respect her wishes. And I said, Mom would want me there. Mom would want me there, okay? End of discussion. Let's move on. And my brothers just stopped, and we moved on. Good
1: for them for honoring that. Good for you for, you know, making that decision, that holding that boundary.
0: Yeah, and I've been this super laid back as far as— Things went with her dying and all that, but when this hit, it was like, uh-uh, nope, no, 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 no. Boundary. I think Mark and Mike were like, oh shit, Shelly's mad. Let's 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 leave this be. Were you mad or were you firm? I was firm inside, I was fuming. Mm. Like this fucking cult. And my brothers, who are wonderful, feel like they have to ask. Someone, if their sister is allowed to spend moments with their mom,
1: this is the deference to authority. This is the deference to the patriarchal order. Totally, so fucked up. So fucked up.
0: So moving on. Um, I did go with to dress my mom. I went with my two sister in laws and my two aunts.
1: So not even the men went. No, but the men wanted to keep you out.
0: They're like, we're not going to do it, but you shouldn't because you're not worthy. It's so fucked up. God, it's so fucked up. Just saying it out loud again and hearing your response. So fucked up. So I went and my mom looked great. She was dressed in a temple gown, not all the ceremonial clothing. And yeah, I've heard that some people have to dress them from like nude. That would be different. So we get there, and I'm there with my sister-in-laws, who I love, and my two aunts, who I also love. They're all very liberal, which I'm like, can you just leave the fucking church? Um, but they're all strong, liberal women. And as we're standing around, I did have this sense of, like, female strength in the room. The funeral director had walked out at that point. He's a nice guy. And one of the things that hit me is my, my aunt Beverly. She said, well, I think we should uh, probably have a prayer. And that kind of gave me pause because there's still that thing of like, I don't know, but I was, you know, whatever, whatever. And then she said, Shelly, who would you like to say the prayer? That was beautiful. That was respect from my still Mormon family who knows I am so not Mormon, who knows I have an anti-Mormon podcast. The respect of you are your mom's daughter was amazing. I didn't expect that. And it was, it kind of made me tear up because it, I'm not used to getting that kind of respect within the Mormon world, especially the, the respect of putting that sounds horrible—putting me above others, meaning I was the one who got to choose who said the prayer. I haven't been—probably my whole fucking life—I haven't been the one who gets to choose ever in Mormonism, and damn right it took another woman to recognize— that I can.
1: An ex-Mormon yeah. making that decision.
0: Ex-Mormon covered in tattoos. I think I was wearing a, like a pink t-shirt that said be happy or something. I don't know. You know, shorts probably had gay vans on. I don't know. But that was amazing and so I asked Beverly if she would say the prayer. She said the prayer it was beautiful. And then the funeral director came back in and we put the put the ceremonial clothes on. Of course, I had to crack a fucking joke as I'm tying the robe on one side i'm like this is the easiest i've ever had tying the robe (laughs) because you know it's like anytime we have to tie any in the temple at least when i was through you have to change all these oh you got the
1: ribbon and the bow and the tying and then everyone's checking you out and you're the scrutiny and you're like i don't
0: want to be last i don't want to be last oh (laughs) shit the the ribbon fell out of my hand i gotta (laughs) grab it
1: (sighs) now there's velcro
0: yes i heard Mm -hmm. um too late for me, though. I was always panicking about, Fuck. <laughs> The
1: stress we put on each other. The stress on
0: the temple, remembering mm-hmm. the words. How does mm-hmm. the handshake go? So fucked up. Did I forget to take my slippers off and put them right oh, back on? Oh, my
1: God. You're going to hell if you—or no, I'm <laughs> sorry. The person you're there by proxy for oh. would be going to hell because you would forget to take the slippers off. Yeah. <laughs> it's so oh, stupid. Oh, what if you took the left one off first or the right one off 1st oh, Jesus. Mm-mm. I'm glad you made a joke.
0: Oh, I had to. Did the
1: other ladies respond? Absolutely.
0: My sister-in-law, Heidi, who's my favorite, this Mark's wife, she laughed the loudest. And she's like, I know. Oh, so
1: she broke her temple covenant? Loud laughter. To avoid loud laughter.
0: Uh, You know, it's hard for people to avoid loud laughter around me. It was a good tension breaker. Good, Good. Because it is a little... I mean, it wasn't weird. I just had never done it before. Sure. I, was, I, I was worried driving there. I, I didn't know what she would look like. I, I just didn't know. I had no idea. I've never been around a dead body. I've never touched a dead body. I was worried it would be weird or, or gross. I don't know. I had everything. I was scared to see my mom dead. Um, so much. So much. So as we as the, the way that we did it, the funeral director was like, okay, I'm going to roll her toward me. You're going to tuck the, the apron underneath her, whatever. It was all very not awkward. The funeral director was very kind. It was a beautiful experience to be with the the, the strong women in the family, because I do consider those ones that were there as the strong women, N- not to diss the others. Anyway, uh, so we took care of that, and then I painted my mom's nails, because she was always very loud and bright and colorful, and her favorite color, if you ever asked her, was sky blue pink. Sky blue pink? She was always saying wacky shit that didn't make sense. What is... The- I I don't know. This is that would be my mom answering in her funky way. So I had like a sky blue color and a pink color, and so I just did every other nail. That's very transgender, right? I should have put her in some kind
1: of flag. Oh Mm -hmm. yes, snuck a queer flag in her casket. (laughs) Exactly. So then I'm I'm just thrilled that she has pink and blue (laughs) nails. We all wear wore pink and blue to the funeral. Every grandkid, I know. I, I, I almost wore my pink Birkenstocks because I'm wearing pink and white, or blue and white right now. You should have. That's really funny, pink yeah. and blue. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that, ah. See, and those are the things about
0: my mom that despite her being very um, weak and not kind of standing up for me and things growing up, things about my mom I love. So, Kimberly, I think it's time we take a short break. Sound good? Cool. Be right back. And we're back. So at the end of dressing her, the funeral director was like, okay, so how this works is we will have the veil in the coffin uh, kind of like down where it can't be seen. And then before the casket closes, the daughter looking at me, you will be the one to put the veil on her face. Oh, she said that to you?
1: Yes. Wow. That's like the highest of the things that you can do.
0: But my initial reaction was I'm not putting a fucking veil on my mom's Mm. face. I stopped that thought. I'm like, this isn't about me.
1: So your mother would have wanted that veil.
0: She would have wanted to obey everything. For Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I almost, no, I didn't almost say it, but man, that thought crept up from like my bowels because I hate the veil. I hate that the women had to cover their faces with the veil in order to do anything um, like the high level temple shit. Mm -hmm. I hate it. I always have, always will. But I stopped myself from saying something because I reminded myself this this is not about me. Like, I will deal with this. I will emotionally deal with this. But I I want to do for my mom what she would want.
1: You suspended your ego. Yes. It's a beautiful thing. Thank
0: you. Thank you. And by the way, any listeners, if you would have made different choices than I did concerning this ex-Mormon and Mormon funeral, I understand. I don't judge anything. This is— What I did. This is my story. So don't feel like you should have done something because I did it a certain way or whatever. I don't think we should judge anyone for what they did in in complicated situations like that. Because we all know ex-Mormonism, when you have Mormon family, it's so fucking complicated. It truly is. When you love people who are Mormon and you hate that they're Mormon, but you love them. I don't know. It's a mess. You get this, right, Kimberly? Kimberly, you have family.
1: Right. My father died two Decembers ago, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I was not told he was dying until Mm. after he was dead. In fact, I didn't know that he was dying until, or that he was dead until one day before the funeral.
0: Mm.
1: So it's pulling some things up in my uh, emotions and my my feelings regarding my father's death that I was not even involved in. In fact, in the obituary, they dead named me. Fuck! Right. So you oh, man. So you say that things with ex- former Mormons and Mormons and funerals are complicated. That is a very strong understatement. For sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: I didn't say yes or no to the veil. I just assumed that I would because the guy was like, you know, this is what you're going to do. And just so that, you know, there wouldn't be awkwardness. Like, how does this, how do I do this? Where's the veil? Blah, blah, blah. So came back from dressing the body. And then I was sitting next to my brothers, Mike and Mark, and they were like, how did it go? And I kind of talked to them, and I'm like, okay, so how it works is before they close the casket, I go up and do the veil thing. And then my brother Mark says, well, you're not allowed to. And I go, who said? And he said, well, we had to call the the bishop to find out, you know, what we can and can't do. And again, I want to shake him and be like, you're so fucking brainwashed, Mark. You're such a good guy, and this is making you just— do things that you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't ever think that your little sister shouldn't be able to be there for the last moment of the open casket. But the fucking church, the fucking church. He also said, and we found out you weren't supposed to go dress the body. And I said, oh, well.
1: Better undress her and redress her appropriately.
0: Right, right. Go ahead. it's Clearly my unworthiness destroyed that moment. And my mom's fucked. So you better go redo it with people who are worthy. And I was getting, you know, those feelings were bubbling up. And I just was like, I don't care. I don't care, Mark. And he goes, well, I'm just telling you what the bishop said. I said, what's the bishop's number? So he gave me the bishop's phone number. And I'm pretty amped up at this time.
1: So now you are angry.
0: I'm angry. I'm angry. And I told my brothers, look, I'm not going to yell at him. I just need to discuss this with him. And I went outside and I called him and he wasn't there and I left a message. And I'm so glad, so glad that that happened. Because about five minutes later, I'm like, why the fuck am I calling this guy to ask permission? Why the fuck am I calling this guy to explain why it should be me? He doesn't know me. He actually doesn't even know my mom. He's the new bishop in the ward. I am not going to defer to this motherfucker about— A stranger. A stranger.
1: To both you and your mother.
0: Yes. Thinking that he needs to call the shots because of a fucking handbook. This is not my religion. It was my mom's religion, but I guarantee she would want me to be the one to do that. She wasn't the type to exclude. She wasn't. And so this time I'm getting emotional. I'm still kind of hurt that my brother's called to find out the rules. But again, I'm reminding myself, they're brainwashed. They're brainwashed. Don't be mad at them. And I went and grabbed my two sister-in-laws, Elise and Heidi, and I'm like, can we talk in the back room? They came back there, and I told them what had happened. And Heidi, my hugest support, goes, oh, you're doing the veil. I'll go up there with you and, like, fight off anyone who tries to tell you you can't. This is this is not—no. I will go tell Mark and Mike right now, you need to butt out. This is going to happen. It'll be messy if if something happens there at the funeral. And again— Ah, the experience to feel the support of a Mormon supporting breaking the rules because love comes first. And I feel like you just don't get that a lot, you know? And maybe it was because she was a woman. And maybe it was because she understands, like, the relationship of a mother and daughter. And maybe it was because she understands, like, I'm the only daughter— this is my right. This is my right to do this. I don't care what religion you are. Don't dismiss me from my right to be there with my mom at the very, very end. Just because of some fucking man saying the handbook says this thing. You, don't, This guy doesn't understand emotions. He doesn't get connections, clearly. Or he's just so fucking trying to climb the ladder that he's going to do everything by the book. By the way, this guy is maybe 35 years old. Tops. Tops. When I saw him at the funeral, I'm like, oh, this, this is the fucker that thinks that he owns the world. So having that, and Elise supported me too, but Heidi was like, I will tackle anyone who tries to get in the way of this. Anyone. You're, you're doing the bail. And I just cried. I, again, just feeling supported by someone who's on the other side. They're Mormon, but they're supporting me. I didn't expect that I would need that support. I didn't know all the fucking rules. But to have that was just, okay, all right, I can do this, you know?
1: So we're recording this fairly recently after these events.
0: I was there last week.
1: So what day, how many days ago was this?
0: Friday. What are we on? Friday was one week.
1: Seven days ago. Yeah. This is fresh.
0: Oh, so fresh. And I'll probably cry and I'm going to swear a lot. And, you know, this is, this is fresh. This was a hugely impactful
1: experience for me. By the way, I'm a big fan of Heidi. Never met her. Probably she's never amazing. will. No, Big fan of Heidi. She's amazing. I'm also a big fan of any woman that will push back against male patriarchy in the church. Yes, because it's whether not easy. Whether they're in it or whether they're out of it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that you're going to start to see more and more of that happening. I agree. I absolutely agree. I, I, I can't agree. help but wonder five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, this would never have happened. No. No. no even that would, the Exmo would not have even been, like it wouldn't have even been a consideration.
0: No. no. I Today think, that's changed. Okay, so moving on to the story, I, w- I felt more comfortable at that point. And then the next morning—oh, I told my brothers afterwards, I'm like, hey, I'm doing the bail. And they were like, oh, okay. They didn't want to fuck with me. They didn't want to. And then the next morning I woke up—this was like the day before the funeral, I think—and Mark and—not Heidi, Mark and Elise were sitting up there. Elise is Mike's wife. She's definitely more strict on the Mormonism. Heidi is Mark's wife, who was like, I love you before I love any religion. So I'm sitting there with Mark and I said, listen, I just kind of have to get this off my chest. This is the problem I have with religion is that this person that I don't know is going to tell me that I can't be with my mom, you know, over things that I don't believe in, over things that I know she would want me to do. And he's like, of course, look, I just wanted to respect her wishes, you know. And I, I get that, but those, those weren't her wishes. I'm telling you, as the daughter and as the conversations that we've had, that was not her wishes for me to be excluded from anything ever. And then my sister-in-law, Elise, who is more strict, she's like, well, you know, when I go to, to Israel or whatever, there are mosques and things that I can't visit because I'm a woman. I said, it's different. It's different. That is a whole different religion. This is not your family. It's not the same thing. And she just kind of kept having to come up with reasons as, like, why we should respect. It's like, you should respect this. And like, no, I respect my mom.
1: So she's trying to pull a very common logical fallacy that we mm. call the false equivalence. Explain that. False equivalent. Oh, well, I happen to have my logical fallacies deck of cards here with oh, me. Oh, shit. Okay. Should I take a second and find the one that says the false equivalence and read it, on, read it for the podcast? And we should play some strip poker. As we do so. Oh.
0: <laughs> Shirt's coming off. No bras today. Podcast means no bras. Well, I
1: am wearing a bra.
0: Oh. Well, then I'm going to be naked a whole lot sooner than you. All right. Kimberly is shuffling the deck. And, you know, and I hate that shit where it's like, well. Bill, it's also it's also confirmation bias. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I'm going to keep talking while you look. Please. I I do view this differently than I'm not allowed to go in the temple for a temple wedding. Because, yeah, that's stupid, right? But the whole with my mom and it's not like it's in a sacred place where you have to have a, a secret pass to get in. It's just just different. And some people that I've talked to who don't truly get Mormonism, you know, they're they're kind of like, well, well, fuck it. You shouldn't ha- you shouldn't do any of that stuff. Fuck that religion, you know, but not understanding the severe juggling that has to happen between hating the religion and loving some of the people in it. Did you find the card.
1: Apparently, my deck of cards doesn't have it in here. However, what it does have instead are three other logical fallacies that are are important to look at. One is an appeal to emotion, Mm. which means manipulating an emotional response in place of a valid or compelling argument. Mm -hmm. The appeal to authority, using the opinion or position of an authority figure or institution of authority in place of an actual argument. Yep. Also, the confirmation bias. You favor things that confirm your existing beliefs. Yes. So these people are engaging in all kinds of logical fallacies, including the false equivalence, which means basically in layman's terms, apples to oranges.
0: I get where she was coming from. saying, sure. But
1: it's—no, it's just— it's, it's designed to keep keep her from feeling uncomfortable about what's going on. Right.
0: About that, that she—exactly. I think if Heidi hadn't had been there first and said, oh, yeah, you're doing the veil, hell yeah— that it might have been a little bit more of a struggle with Elise. She probably would have said, like, you know, do what you want to do, but I wouldn't have felt the extreme support like I did from Heidi. Anyway, that conversation ended. I just was like, I look, I want to get this off my chest. I cried. Mark gave me a hug, you know, because, again, Mark's a sweetheart. Why does he have to be Mormon? Fuck. Luck of the draw. <sighs> right? So then we spent that night, me and all the grandkids, painting our fingernails, every, all the pink and the blue. All of us, all the bright pink. I should have left it on for this. My boys uh, had uh, pink and blue ties.
1: This is like a serious trans funeral at some point. Oh, for
0: sure. For sure. Wow. I know. I know.
1: I, you know, it was amazing that we could be— I mean, be- clearly that's not what your mother is anticipating everyone is going to understand. They're going to look at the pink and blue and think about grandma. Of course. But there's like an under—there's a serious queer under, undercurrent of trans inclusion in this. My
0: mom was so inclusive, and I, I'll get to that part, but yeah, yes, that was my mom. And she was loud, and the whole sky blue pink, whatever the fuck that is, we're going to do it all up. Uh, one thing—okay, let's go back to Mark for a second. My brother Mark. We have in the family specifically one queer person that goes by they them and is now named Granite. Oh, I love that name! Isn't that great?
1: It matches that's like a perfect non-binary name, they, Granite.
0: I know they go. They they say it matches the darkness of my heart. They're so Ooh, funny. Ethan, they're so, so funny. Um, they're hilarious. So Granite's mom. Message me and was like, the obituary looks nice. I'm not surprised that they dead named Granite. It is what it is. And I said, oh, shit, let me talk to Mark. So Mark, who's the rule follower, I said, Mark, listen, Andrea was like kind of worried, you know, kind of mentioned. And Mark goes, oh, crap, I'll change that right now. Oh, wow. Right. So this is who Mark is. I don't think Mike would have changed it. All right. Good job, Mark. My well know. Then. Bravo. Yeah. So he, you know, emailed it and got that changed.
1: So yeah, your family fixed something that my family fucked up. See? Good job, family. Yeah. Yeah. Good
0: job. My family's better than yours. Truly. <laughs> well, you have a relationship with your family. That's true. You didn't. I do, uh, Still don't. Still don't. Yeah. Fuck. It sucks. So he changed that. That made me feel good because Mark's come a long way. He used to be very, you know, anti, like, that's gross. You know, I'm not going to call them by their name, but he has come such a long way. His daughter, Courtney, who is my daughter Genevieve's age, she chose to wear a bright pink suit to the funeral with one of the boys' striped ties. So when she decided that, Mark put it out there for everyone. He's like, okay, how many ties do I, do I need to get? You know, I don't care who wants to wear a tie. Whereas probably two years ago he would have said boys wear ties, girls wear whatever. Queering it up. Queering it up. By the way, Courtney was just looks so fucking fabulous. It was like, it was it was like a hot pink suit shiny like you'd see on Soul Train. I mean, it was so great. And she wore my mom's um sky blue colored Crocs (laughs) with it. Fucking love Courtney. Love Courtney.
1: Will Courtney hear
0: this? Probably not. I don't know, but I fucking love her. She knows I love her. Um, Anyway, so when we were talking about who's going to be the pallbearers, right? I mean, there's just so much tradition that had to be broken down in this. And Mark says, well, let's, you know, the grandsons. And I go, well, why does it just have to be the grandsons? He goes, uh, I don't you know. know. I, I
1: know. Tradition. Tradition.
0: Tradition. We're, we're bucking The system and the fact that it was Mark who was doing this, I think that's why I was able to get in there and buck the system. Because I don't know if Mike would have, maybe, I don't know. So I said, Listen, I don't want this to be a boys do this, girls do this thing. I I don't like that. I don't think mom was like that. And he was like, Cool, great. How do you want to do it? And I said, Well, why don't we just do like the oldest two kids of each family? Just so, you know, I don't know, we have to pick something. But then I said, why can't they all do it? Why can't we somehow find a way to include all of them? So we talked to the funeral director and he's like, yeah, half of them can do it at the at the funeral. The other half can carry her from the hearse to the burial site. Fuck yeah. So we picked half boys and half girls for each movement of, of her casket. And I'm just feeling better and better about this. I love
1: that the girls and the women are so inclusive or inclusive and included in this process. Yes.
0: Yes. Absolutely. This is how traditions change. Yes. Yes. Because I wasn't going to have a traditional. Um, the strong women were not going to have a traditional. The grandkids who were girls, they were not going to have a traditional. I don't think they even recognized they that they were the breaking the mold. about tradition. Exactly. It wouldn't have made sense to them to not be a pallbearer. They're just like, I want to be on the left side of grandma in the back. You know, there was no, because kids these days are fucking
1: awesome. They claim their own space. Yes.
0: Yes. I love me some Gen Z. I don't care how much the older generations can complain about him. I love Gen Z.
1: They will save us.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So planned that part. Then we had to plan who's speaking at the funeral. And one of the big obstacles was we can't have David, the oldest piece of shit. We can't have him speaking. Because he is horrible. He will talk about how much we didn't let him take care of my... It's all bullshit. It's all... He's a narcissist. And I will say that out loud.
1: But let's be real. The funeral at this point, once the speaking starts, it's not so much a, a funeral for the person, but it's a propaganda and proselytizing effort by the church. Exactly. And I didn't want that. So who who makes the decisions about who's going to speak? Again, that 35-year-old rookie bishop? Nope. Who made the decisions? The three of us did together. Good. We decided that Mark would
0: speak, we decided that I would speak, and we decided that we would allow Dickface David to do the prayer just before they close the coffin, because there's less people in there, it's like damage control, you know, and that Mike, because you have to be a worthy priesthood holder, will do the dedicatory prayer at the grave. So, on the way to the funeral, I'm realizing that none of my kids have seen a dead body, and so I was explaining to them, okay, so there's there's part of the funeral beforehand where there's a viewing and you are, you can go into the room where grandma is laying there in an open casket and you can see her and you can touch her and say goodbye. None of you have to do that if you don't want. If that seems weird, if that seems uncomfortable, you don't have to do that. And I told them also, I saw grandma like two days ago and she looks really good. She doesn't look creepy or weird. She doesn't look like a zombie. So we started like cracking jokes about zombie grandma just to kind of, you know, I do that. When things get a little heavy, I joke, and the kids laugh, and then we're all good again. So I didn't know who was going to do what. We get to the funeral, and they all want to go see Grandma. We all go in there. There's lots of people. My kids were totally fine with seeing her. They cried. My kids are sweethearts. They adored Grandma Jay. And one thing that I was so happy about was I saw so much of my family that I hadn't seen in probably— 20, 25 years, they were so happy to see me. And I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I'm like, I don't know. They know I've left the church. They know I have a podcast. Like they know I've got tattoos. They know I'm angry. I was angry, but they were so happy to see me. And the hugs they gave me were like for real long hugs. And it felt good again to be, uh, I felt accepted and I didn't know, I don't know. Did I need that acceptance? I don't know. I think I was fine without it, but feeling it felt like it felt good. And so there's this juggle that's internal like am I still looking for approval? Am I still needing this or did it just feel good when it
1: happened? Is that a rhetorical question? Do you need that approval?
0: I don't know. I don't I don't feel like I do, but it, it does feel really good when I get it, you know? I don't know.
1: Both of those can be true.
0: Okay. I didn't think I needed it. I don't know. I think if there were some people that didn't approve of me. I think I'd just kind of be like, there's they suck and move on. If everyone didn't approve of me, that would probably hurt. I don't know. I don't know. It was just good that it was that way. My dad was there. He just kind of sat in a corner, glazed over eyes, sad. When people would come in and they'd say, Where's your dad? I'd say, well he's over there, but he can't remember people's names. If you could please introduce yourself because he hates that he can't remember people's names. I just felt bad for him. He just I mean, I don't like to see anyone sad, but I just felt for him because he just looked so gone, so checked out. Anyway, all of that, that stuff happened, and then it was time for the veil. And I'm a little nervous um, because my idiot brother David, he went up and said the prayer, and it was very weird because he's very weird. And then he sat back down. I knew it was time, and so I, I walked the fuck up there. There's a funeral director and some random dude and then the bishop next to him. And I walked up there, didn't even look at the bishop, Didn't because I don't care about him. He's, he's zero to me, nothing. He's, just, he's nothing to me. And I walked up to the director, and I'm like, I'm ready to, to do the bail. He said, okay. So he lifted up the, her head. I set it behind her head, right, and kind of on the top, and he said, you can either put it over her face or near the sides. I don't know if that's new. I don't know. But in, like my heart fucking jumped for joy as I put it on the sides of her. On the fucking sides.
1: Why is that important?
0: She should never have her face covered. Ever. She's beautiful. And I know she would have been good with that. I know she would have. Because my mom, she didn't hide herself with her wacky, zany, crazy. Like, she was an out person. So I did that. And I kind of leaned into the casket to kiss her on the cheek and hug her, and all of my emotion finally hit. I don't think it really, really had before then. And it was, I felt like it was me and my mom. That's it. Empty room, me and my mom. I did that last, and I know it's fucking religious, but I didn't care. I did that last honoring of her in her way. doesn't matter if I thought it was bullshit. I don't care. I did this for her. I was her hands doing this that's quite a gift you gave her i agree i i completely agree and again some people won't agree that i even went and that's fine but this was my choice this was my juggle with my anger with my trauma with my mom it was my juggle my decisions we might need to take one more break here so let's give it a go be right back and we're back I cried like ugly cry for probably two solid minutes, which doesn't seem like a long time, but when you're a silent room full of people, it's a long time. I cried and I cried and I wailed and I sniffed in all of my stress, all of my weird like disconnect from my mom because she was getting old and it was hard.
1: Did anyone come up and join you to comfort you?
0: My kids came up behind me.
1: While you were crying?
0: Yeah. My kids are fucking amazing, Kimberly. What I'm was it like you. to have them join you? I just feel like a unit with them. Like, No matter what happens in my life, I have seven cheerleaders who want me to be happy, who love me. I have seven kids that there's eight of us that are will always be bonded together, always support each other. It was beautiful, but probably the most emotional part after that was I said my goodbyes, they closed the casket, I'm still crying. My brother Mark comes up to me and hugs me and he's like, it's just a hat. You get that?
1: It's a pretty shitty hat.
0: It's a pretty shitty hat, but he's just, yeah. And he's like, to me, that was him saying, you should have done this. This was your right and it's just a fucking hat anyway, you know? I don't think my brother Mark has ever said anything to me where I felt that Understood, that accepted, um, and that loved by him. Because again, he's rulesy as shit, and he saw and agreed with the importance of me doing this thing that I wasn't, quote unquote, worthy to do.
1: Ah, <sighs> yeah. What are you feeling in your body right now? Tension release gratefulness
0: for, for, my family, no matter where they are, not my brother, David, he can fuck off, but, um, grateful for my family who loves me regardless. And I know we complain when people are like, well, I still love you, even though, I mean, that seems like a diss, but I felt that I appreciated, I love that they still, still love me. And I know that sounds awful because people should love people regardless, but I understand the cult that they're in. I understand that I should be shunned. I understand that I shouldn't have been allowed to touch the, anything holy according to them. I get it. And my family looked past those rules and was like, yeah, you're, you're good. You should be here. Could have been the most impactful thing of, of the entire funeral was that. It was, I don't know, I'll take that forever with me. I can still picture my mom laying there beautiful with the veil on the sides not on her face, and just the silence in there as I'm crying and my brother saying what he said, and then my kids hugging me so tight. Like we were all in a circle, me and my kids, my fucking kids who give me life, hugging in a circle and crying over Grandma. It was, I think it's like a milestone, in in life. And I'm so lucky that for me, it was beautiful because it wasn't beautiful for you when your dad passed. You didn't have that.
1: Well, I don't want to make it about me. So I I apologize for sharing that earlier, but uh, I want to make pivot back to you and the incredible juxtaposition of these sacred circles that involve temple robes. Yeah. The one that you had with your children next to your mother's casket it sounds to me as if it was more authentic, it was more inclusive, it was more loving, it -hmm. was more genuine than any of the circles you'd been in in the past in the temple.
0: 100%. 100%. Because any of the temple ceremonies, who I am now, I wouldn't even be allowed to fuck in there. So talk about not being inclusive. But with the funeral, because I stood up for myself, because I stood up against the patriarchy, I could have just been like, oh, the bishop said no. Okay, well, m- maybe someone else can do it. I, I don't want to make waves. Yes, this is their religion. I don't want to make waves. But it was like, you know, f- fuck you. And I had to be far enough away to be like, no, for real, fuck you, dude. But I still called him first. I called him first, and I was going to explain, like, why I should do this, and why do you think I can't. And And I'm so glad he wasn't there to answer the phone, because the next thing was like— Fuck you. No, you are nothing to me. You're not going to be between me and my mom.
1: What do you think would have happened had he answered the phone?
0: Oh, God. Um, I would have started nice. I would have asked why. I'm sure it would have come down to a a conversation about the handbook because at this point, I didn't know there was a strict rule in the handbook.
1: I don't know. I I don't know. In the end, whose uh, authority did you ultimately appeal to? Fucking mine. Right.
0: The authority as the only daughter, the only daughter to a mother, you know, if there'd been more daughters, maybe it would have been easier to be like, yeah, you should probably do this. But I'm no, like, no, 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 no. I am a woman. I'm a strong woman. I'm her daughter. This is my right. No fucking dude is going to come over and do this because I'm not worthy. And, you know, a conversation I had with someone who was like, I wouldn't even have done the veil. Fuck that. Why did you just say, no, this is stupid. I'm not going to do it. And I said, and this person didn't understand, but I said, because I wasn't going to allow someone else to fucking do this. I don't care if I believed it or not. No one's taking my place in this. Mm -mm." And before I went up to do the casket and the veil, I took my shirt off. I had a shirt on underneath. I'm sorry. I had a long-sleeved... Topless veil placement. That's pretty, I love this I, badass. Someone might have said something. <laughs> that yeah, would happen. Maybe. Yeah, no. But to clear <laughs> it up, I had a long sleeve shirt on uh, the sky blue and then a, a, a pink shirt underneath. I took the long sleeve shirt off almost as... I, I don't know. It's weird. It's like I wanted to stand out. I wanted to show my strength. Like, I'm doing this. I'm with my mom. I'm putting the veil. I have tattoos... Everywhere they represent what? So this is my family, right? This the, the tattoo at my arm is all of my children, it's family. All your kids, right? I know that's why there's fucking seven of them. That's why I, I know sleeve. this about your tattoos. Yeah. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, this is what matters to me, and I wasn't trying to make it about me. I was trying to make
1: it about fuck. How do I word this? What was important to you in that moment to to be said? What message did you want to make sure? You got, your mom got, the people in the audience got.
0: When I decided to take my shirt off, (laughs) my outer shirt, it was me standing up against things. It was also me showing just because I have left this fucking cult doesn't mean I don't want to be part of my mom. Doesn't mean that I feel like I shouldn't. And I also wanted to show that just because I left the cult doesn't mean I can't be respectful I'm putting the fucking veil on. I just wanted them to know. I wanted them to see that I was worthy to do this with my mom. Not worthy to go in the temple. I don't give a fuck about this. Not worthy as far as church terms. But me as her daughter and her, my mother, I was fucking worthy. Tattoos and all to go up there and spend that time with my mom before they closed the casket. And that felt good. Yeah, let's end there, because the second half will be the actual funeral service itself. Because there's a lot there, because I spoke. Anyway, I guess to wrap up this episode. It's quite a cliffhanger. It is. Will they have
1: the funeral or not? Of course
0: we had the fucking funeral.
1: (laughs) His his mom still in the casket at the the church. I don't know. Did she make it in the ground yet? Did we pull a weekend
0: at Bernie's? Is she strapped to the (laughs) hood of my car? I don't know. Do I have a stick making her hand wave? So no, no, she's dead. What do you think we did?
1: I vote for weekend to Bernie's.
0: Fuck yeah, and my mom would have too. Guaranteed, mm-hmm. she would have loved to travel around to the, the top of a car.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sunglasses and a hat. Absolutely, absolutely. Or, or a, uh, a national Lampoon's vacation with when Grandma dies on the roof.
0: Isn't she on like a like a rocking chair on the roof oh, or some okay. shit? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love. Give me a combo, Bernie's
1: uh, lampoon. We
0: can do whatever we want. I'm going to start the script now. It'll be a short film because I don't have a lot of time ah, these days. Right, but right, right. you can just get to the po- point where she dies, and then she travels around, you bring, like an room.
1: illustrated novel, a children's book, huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little golden something book. like "Travel
1: with Dead Grandma" or "Dead, <laughs> Dead <laughs> Grandmas Adventures." Dead <laughs> grandmas are people too. <laughs> oh, I love it. Seriousness mixed with some comedic relief.
0: You have to. And that was how my, my talk was at the funeral. I'm like, you, I can't do all serious because as my therapist says, I...
1: She says I mask my sorrow with um, jokes, but I feel like it kind of helps me, too. All right. So speaking of that, I happen to bring a book called What's Your Grief? Mm, Not What's Your Beef? No, What's Your Grief? Lists to help you through any loss. I actually recently purchased this book. I found that it's written by a a therapist here in the D.C. area. Mm. I like to give this to my clients that have experienced or are experiencing grief. Yeah. And I don't, you know, let them read through the whole thing. I just ask them to, you know, play this game where you open it to a page. Mm. And see what comes up. I like that. Do you want to play? Oh shit. Yes.
0: Yes. What's your grief? This is like picking tarot. It's like grief tarot kinda. My joking mind says I wanna to open to page 69. Ooh, okay.
1: <laughs> why, why is that an important number,
0: Shall I? I don't know. <laughs> it's funny, but all my kids think it's funny too, and they don't even know what it is. I mean, even Casty's You
1: said sixty nine, I'm like Cassidy, you're ten.
0: Uh, So this one says, what's your grief secret? Is that what you want me to read?
1: Look on those two pages and what are you finding that's that's resonant with you?
0: Let's see. When we keep a secret, that secret is actually helping us. Maybe haunting us, maybe inviting us to reconcile with part of our past we're hiding from, maybe keeping us from having intimate relationships with others or ourselves.
1: What secrets were being kept in that funeral that you were uh, unwilling to uh, keep on keeping? You know, I don't think I had any, but there was definitely— we didn't have any, but in that room, yeah, yeah. there were yeah. some big secrets that you said no more. Right,
0: and that and that's what I mean. I wasn't keeping a secret, but I sure as shit showed it. Maybe the secret I was keeping was that I would go along with things. Um, and even if people know that I'm rebellious, I don't think they thought that I would go against the bishop in the church— and the handbook. Now, I don't know if all of them knew about the handbook shit. I bet some of them did. Um, you can so se- sure
1: as shooting bet all the men did.
0: 100%. So, secret's out. I am not bowing down to authority, period. Fuck you. End of story. I will do what I want and what I need to and what my right is, according to me, not some fucking patriarchal religion.
1: Love it. Thanks all for right. coming to my TED Talk. Uh, I'm glad I'm here. So n- next time you and I record, we will undoubtedly talk about the uh, the actual speech, funeral. The, the speech that you gave. Yes, it's called talk- a talk, Kimberly. Oh, the talk that you gave. That's right. I <laughs> forgot how quickly I've forgotten. I want to f- wager that you swore in it at least one, maybe twice, that you had dropped like a, a swear word in your speech, speech at least twice. But don't tell me now. Let's leave the, let's let the, okay. this could be maybe a discussion topic for the LDL uh, mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. How many times does Shelley swear in her Talk mm-hmm. at her mother's funeral. My bet is at least twice. Okay.
0: Also, the question is, how many times did Shelly make a comment uh, that no one would understand except for me and Mike and Mark and David, because it was a dig at Ooh.
1: fucking David for inside being an jokes. asshole. Inside jokes. Uh, inside jokes or, that are
0: digs at that motherfucker who has caused so many problems.
1: So the, so there's two cliffhanger questions. Yes. Swear count mm-hmm. and dig count.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. All right.
0: This has been awesome. Well, there you go. Uh, Kimberly,
1: what have you been up to? Let's hear it. Oh, gosh. Well, you know what I've been up to because we uh, since moving here to D.C., you and I have hung out quite a bit. I know. I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Well, I am, too. And I'm so
0: glad Jess has kept you in her life because she's fucking amazing.
1: Well, she has to keep me in her life. She has no choice. Good. Nothing like being a controlling girlfriend. Ooh, I love a good controlling (laughs) girlfriend. I say, go to your room. And she says, ooh, okay. Oh, you're coming. And I I say, (laughs) <laughs> am i coming sorry
0: <laughs> not yet give me a minute i say go
1: to your room and clean up your toys and she's like oh okay that sounds kind of hot <laughs> which toys the
0: ones in the top closet, oh, the, right. bottom
1: closet right? oh, Ooh, mm. the bottom closet The bottom closet. but no, i love jess she's been great yeah. um what am i been up to so got a place here in dc Moved mm-hmm. in with jess our um, partnership is very committed um we're very much in love all of our challenges you know about our lives notwithstanding you meet someone later on in life with children and with a messy, you know, situation all the yeah. way around. Both her and me. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about her exclusively. Uh, we both bring trauma to the table, so thank God we're both therapists, right? We can work through our challenges together and recommit to each other um, almost daily. Actually, it's I really, really beautiful.
0: Do you find not to interrupt? Do you, do you find that in your discussions or arguments, whatever you want to call them, that oh, you They're discussions? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, loud discussions. <laughs> we never do you? argue. No, of course. In your loud discussions, do you find that you recognize like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this behavior? This (laughs) either I do. (laughs) Do you call the other one out when they're doing that behavior? We
1: certainly do. (laughs) Somehow it stings more for me when Jess calls my behavior out. Oh shit! Because I don't want to be told what's up. No. Because I certainly have the answers to my life totally figured out. Duh. So when Jess calls them out, it like stings even more. Uh, Good for you, Jess. Well, that's right. Uh, This is what I need. This is what a healthy relationship has: Mm -hmm. is caring committed, uh, you know, support and calling people out mm-hmm. on their bullshit. If you don't call it out, it festers and then there's resentment. And then we're keeping secrets and then we're oh, back to grief. You're right. You're right. She owns the Falls Church Wellness Center mm-hmm. and an uh, amazing group of therapists here. Uh, we're in her office actually today. So thank you, Jess, for letting mm-hmm. us steal it. Yep. Uh, and then she and I have purchased uh, 26 acres out in the wine country of Loudoun, county. So fun out there by the way. West of DC about an hour and Personal. we have a uh wellness retreat that we call Wineberry Wellness. Mm-hmm. And it's called Wineberry Wellness because we have wineberry vines all over the entire properties, mm-hmm. entire property, and wineberries taste better than raspberries. Mm-hmm. The season is very short, so they're it's like uh, fireworks they come very quickly. Um, they're good and sweet when you get them, and then they're all of a sudden they're gone. Have you made jam or anything with them? You just you can make jam, wine, yeah. uh, wine, beer. Ooh. We just put them, you know, eat them out of the bowl. You could put them yeah. in strawberries. They're super, super yummy. Mm. Uh, I foresee uh, an annual queer wineberry picking festival. Uh, count me in for DC locals. Yes. that need some wineberries on mm-hmm. queer property. <laughs> but we have <laughs> there's a niche for everything. Absolutely. So we do <laughs> we do retreats out there. We do couples counseling. We do groups, small groups, larger groups. Groups, um, day day things. We're in the middle of amazing wineries. One mm-hmm. of the best benefits of being an ex-Mormon now is that mm-hmm. my best friends, our, our best friends down the road, another couple who are lesbians, they own a winery. Fuck yeah. And we've learned how to make wine. No. So shit. So, so yes, we've learned we've learned we're learning the, the fermentation process, the harvesting process, the bottling process, the tasting process. I'm about that. If you need so a I'm, taster. I'm learning about uh, uh, wine in ways that certainly the Mormonism would never have, have mm-hmm. allowed mm-hmm. me to. So that's been lovely. You can't even have
0: wine in the sacrament when you're a Mormon. <sighs>
1: you don't want to get drunk off of wine. I, you I know. would guarantee you there's not a lick of grape juice in, this, in the church on any given Sunday, except for maybe yeah, in the grape si- juice. sippy cups. Maybe maybe there's, when someone yeah, else brings it. In. Right. Yeah. So we have uh, the wellness retreat out there, and she has the wellness center here in Falls Church. And I am just thrilled— That my life is full of joy and happiness and love with a lovely partner. Mm -hmm. And I'm thrilled that professionally, the things that I'm doing with my clients is so incredibly rewarding. Oh, yeah. Watching them grow and shift and change has been different population that I'm working with here. Okay. Lots of queer and trans people, certainly, but Mm -hmm. lots of families, lots of couples, Mm. uh, seeing lots and lots and lots of narcissistic abuse recovery. Oof. Um, and from the
0: narcissist or from the from the, the victim? Par-
1: partners, gotcha. victims.
0: Do you ever have narcissists come in and say, I'm a narcissist? No, but, they but I have them reco- come okay. in with
1: their partner and mm-hmm. through the counseling that I give them, their partner realizes that their other person is a narcissist.
0: Gotcha.
1: Uh, seeing some ex-Mormons, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Have some ex-Jewish people, have some ex-evangelicals. Nice. Um, so the Venn diagram of my life does overlap tremendously with a lot of my clients, but in some cases, not very much, which is also nice. Mm -hmm. Um, But life for me, of course, I miss Utah, the good parts of Utah. Mm -hmm. Um, My uh, kids are still there whom I love, even though literally don't have a relationship with either of them Mm -hmm. um, or my extended family. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, that's temporary, um, at least as far as I anticipate, you know, still looking forward, rejoining with them. But in the meantime, you know, after picking up the cards of life, the hand that I've been dealt is still pretty damn good. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for
0: asking. Of course. Yeah. I
1: love, like, I don't know. I love to see all my people happy.
0: Um, you and I, Kimberly, we kind of, we we, we, go, we don't go back forever, but we go back a lot of years.
1: Always. And to just see. I made you be my friend, by the way. You
0: forced you were, it on yeah. me. And that's fine. That Those kind of people I love because then I feel <laughs> like I, I'm in high demand. It kind of feeds the ego. Ooh. <laughs> love to be chased. Uh, I'm kidding. C h a s e d. Yeah, not c h a s t e. I was that kind of chased for way too long. Uh, anyway, I love seeing like your life blossoming. Thank you. Too. It's it's phenomenal. It's fun to be part of. How is there? Do, if people need to get a hold of the wellness center to like talk
1: about therapy or anything, a website. What do you? Is there oh, something? Oh wow. Um, the wellness center. I think is falsechurchwellness Okay. I happen to be actually looking at a brochure that says wellness dot com, mm-hmm. and if they want to learn more about the Wineberry Wellness, they can follow us on Instagram at Wineberry Wellness. That's this the the tag. I love it. Mm. I love it. Y'all do good things. We're trying. I mean, We're doing. You do all right. Like Yoda says, <laughs> "Do
0: or do not. There,
1: there, is, there is no there try."
0: I <laughs> Guess we'll wrap it up right there.
1: Do.
0: Um, I don't know. Steer clear of colts. Do we, we say that? <sighs>
1: Yeah, if you can.
0: If you can, clearly I couldn't. I mean, I'm Same. out of the
1: cult, but it's, it's hard to steer clear of it when you're born into it. Yes, and your family's still in it. Mm-hmm.
0: But there's a way. I have. I whatever. We're going over time here, but I have come to a happy spot after the funeral. i realize I'm at my happy spot Ooh. with what I can do as far as the cult is concerned. Okay. And I, I wasn't quite there yet because I didn't know. I was. I didn't know the shit was going to go down with. Can I? I'm not supposed to touch sacred shit according to them. So. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll talk more about that on the next episode that we we cover with this. But thank you for listening
1: to me. Sure. All right, folks, that's it. Um, For now, today's takeaway from me for this podcast was the following message. It's just a hat. Just a fucking hat. That's all, folks. (laughs) Bye-bye. See you next time.